Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to say welcome to everyone listening all over the country. We are broadcasting live here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM up and down the front range of Colorado all the way from Cheyenne down to Colorado Springs. We also want to say hello to those of you who listen on the East Coast. Our show is syndicated on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. We're glad you tuned in today. Also want to say hi to a new syndication we have on Truth FM in Tennessee, which broadcasts into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky as well. Welcome to the program. We're glad that you're with us today. Uh, we also want to say hello to everybody who's listening online, live on the website or on the app. Welcome to the program. Glad you tuned in. Just a reminder that those who are listening on the East Coast and in the, in the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we've been doing it now for a week, so that means that you are now getting our broadcasts, and we'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'd love to have you call in, and you get the awesome opportunity that when you call in, you get to tune in one week later and listen to yourself again and hear how strange your voice sounds over the radio. So we hope that you'll call in. Uh, we'd love to have some callers from Tennessee in that area this week. We have a regular stream of callers from the East Coast, which we're so happy about. But uh, just a few words about myself. Again, the number to call, by the way, as we have open lines always here at the beginning of the show, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So if you have questions about the Bible or things that are going on in your life, if you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. You can call us or you can text us. Uh, again, just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And our church meets, if, for those of you who are familiar with Longmont and the surrounding area, our church meets in downtown Longmont, right on the corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So that's right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, which is a city park here in Longmont. And we are a church that loves Jesus, and we love to study the Bible. We study the Bible verse by verse. Right now, we are going through the book of Hebrews. We've been going through that for several weeks now, and are, it's it's just been an awesome, amazing study. I'm really looking forward to the section we're teaching this coming Sunday. So if you are in or around Longmont, I'd like to personally invite you to join us. You can check us out online ahead of time. You can listen to our sermons and find out what's going on at our church at whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. Dot com, And our church meets at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you join us if you live in Longmont or in the surrounding area. Lots of surrounding communities around here that people drive into Longmont from. You can also hear me every weekday on Calvary, uh, well, on Grace FM. We have a show called Life in the Field, which airs at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time every weekday. And you can also hear me on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And those are our sermons cut for the radio. Um, so it's 2.30 p.m. weekdays and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Got some calls already coming in. Let's go to Juan in Brighton, Colorado. Hi, Juan. 
Hi, how are you, Pastor? Doing very well. I just, uh, you know, I I just have a question about the Bible. It is that, uh, you know, when when Jesus uh, freed a man that he was possessed by demons, and those demons go into the pigs, and then the pigs drown in the water. Where do the demons go to? Where did the demons go to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think that the demons died. I'll say that. So the story you're referring to is a story that's found in Mark 5, for example, is one of the places it's found, where it says that you know Jesus healed this man and he cast these demons into these pigs who were nearby. So there's a couple dynamics going on in the story. But to answer your question briefly, the I don't believe the demons went anywhere, so to say. Like, I think they still continue to exist. They didn't die in the water with the pigs. Um, mm-hmm. they, they went somewhere else, you know, to, uh, to continue destructive work. Okay. So, yeah, but they certainly didn't die. And the reason Jesus sent them into the pigs, you know, wasn't that they, the demons would die. Because, of course, as spiritual beings, they don't die physical death. So the, the real issue, there's a couple things going on in that story that are really worth noting. I mean, first of all, Jesus is in a region which uh, there's a lot of Gentile people, so not Jewish people, but still there are a lot of Jewish people there too. And so he's in this region and he sees these pigs. Now there shouldn't have been any reason for Jewish people to be raising pigs. It it represents a kind of compromise. And so there's that factor in this as well. The other factor is that by sending the demons out of this man and, and letting them enter into these pigs, what was happening is that Jesus is letting people see that this man wasn't just, um, you know, there was actually a demonic spiritual element as to why this man was the way he was. And by le- allowing these um, demons to enter these pigs, then the pigs caused, I mean, sorry, the demons caused the pigs to run into the water and drown themselves. It shows that, you know, something, there's actually a demonic presence going on and it made it visible to other people. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for the call. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church on the air with you today answering your calls and texts. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Nine seven. We have all open lines right now. It's a great time to call in if you've been wanting to ask a question about the Bible or about something going on in your life or if you have a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. As we're waiting for those calls to come in, I'll just tell you a few things. Um, this text I mentioned earlier that I'm going to be teaching this coming Sunday at Whitefields, I'll just read it to you. I was preparing for it right before the show. And here's what it should say, or here's what it says. This is Hebrews chapter 11. So in Hebrews chapter 10, at the end of the chapter, the writer quotes from Habakkuk, the prophet, this phrase which is actually quoted three times in the New Testament, where Habakkuk says, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, that's quoted three times. first time is in Romans chapter 1, where it says, the righteous shall live by faith, and the focus there is on the righteous and by faith. And then it's quoted again in Galatians chapter 3, and there the focus is again on being righteous and being made righteous by faith. We call it justification when God 
justifies, he says that you are righteous, he declares you righteous, gives you a status of being right before God. But what's interesting is that in Hebrews chapter 10, where this phrase, the just shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith, where that's quoted, is uh, it, the focus isn't on righteousness or faith so much as it is on living. So it says the righteous shall live by faith. In other words, not just say that you have faith, but actually live it out. And then it's as if the writer anticipates the question that we would ask, which is, well, what does that even mean? What does it mean to live by faith? What does it look like to live by faith? How do I know if I'm doing it or not? You know, how can I judge that? And then in Hebrews chapter 11, he says, well, you know, I'm glad you asked the question. I thought you might. And then he answers that question by giving us a list and a, a rundown of all these different people throughout history, you know, the heroes of the Bible, so to say, and what faith looked like in practice in their lives, what it looked like in their lives that, it, that they lived by faith, that they had faith that wasn't just words and thoughts and theory, but that was real action and practice. And so he gives us this list. He goes through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. He gets into Moses. He talks about the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea and Jericho. And then he talks about Rahab. And then he gets to the section starting in verse 32 where he says this. He's, here's what he says. He says, uh, What shall I say? Time would fail me to tell the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and enforced justice and obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the power of fire and escaped the edge of the sword and who were made strong out of weakness who became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight and women received back their dead from resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might receive a better resurrection. Others suffered and were mocked and flogged and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and sawed in half. They were killed with the sword. They went about in sheeps of skins and goats, or skins of sheep and goat, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in caves and in the mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. I love this section because here's what he's saying. I'll, I'll get back to this. We're going to take some calls in just a second, and I'll get back to this thought. But here's the thought. Maybe this will spur some of you to write in or text in or, or call in. And that is this, that the writer basically says, he, he gives two lists. He gives a list of people who they had faith in God and they were faithful to God. And because of their faith and their faithfulness, their lives got better, right? Like Daniel, he goes in the lion's den and by faith, it says he shut the mouth of the lion. And you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they, you know, they go into the fire and they don't get burned and God takes care of them. They're faithful to God and God makes their life better, so to say, spares them from, from the difficulty that they're facing. And if you would just stop there in verse 35, you would think, you kind of come to the conclusion, okay, having faith in God will result in you having a better life. If you're faithful to God, if you do all the right stuff, you'll have a better life. But then he says, well, yeah, except when that's not the case, because then he gives a whole different list. People who didn't uh, survive, people who were cut in half and sawed and, you know, mocked and beaten and imprisoned and, and cast out of society. And he says that these people hoped for a better resurrection. And the main point of this whole section is to say that sometimes God rescues you from difficulty and sometimes he doesn't. 
But the purpose, of, you know, the point of Christianity, the hope of Christianity is not in a better life here and now, but it is in salvation, which begins now, but has its ultimate effect in what is to come. It's the salvation of our souls and the life that is to come. It's not that we hope in this earth, but we hope in the new heavens and the new earth. So that's the hope that we have. Anyway, I'm looking really forward to teaching that this coming Sunday at Whitefields. Let's go to line one. We've got Joseph in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Joseph. Hi. <clears throat> Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. So I just had a, uh, I had a, hopefully it'll be a quick question, but uh, uh, so when in the Bible, uh, we like, where would you say it's appropriate to excommunicate a member? Because like the grounds of the New Testament, it seems to be for like false teaching alone, you know? Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure I would agree with that it's only for false teaching. Can you tell me where you where you are? are well, that just that? it just seems like that. But like with uh, Alexander and uh, Himnaeus, mm-hmm. uh, and how they were delivered out into the world, you know, like out, like excommunicated from the church, uh, so that they would, you know, kind of learn how to deal with themselves, kind of be humbled back. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that there is some precedent for um, doing it with people who are, you know, preaching some aberrant doctrine. Like, um, you know, we were looking at last Thursday, I had a call asking, you know, what what do you do with somebody who comes into your house? And some people started texting me some verses from Second John, where uh-huh. John says, you know, if somebody's teaching a false gospel, then don't even allow them in your house. Like, don't don't host them and entertain them. Don't have them over for dinner. Okay, so that's one one perspective on that. So I guess that would be part of what you're coming from. And yeah, you mentioned these guys who were Paul's companions at one time and partners in ministry, and then they turned away from the Lord or fell away. And it says that he handed them over to the world. Um, so I would say that, that, that it's not only aberrant doctrine, you know, that would be the cause of excommunication, but I would say where we have actual examples of it in the New Testament is actually for behavior, behavioral issues and they would be issues of sin so somebody persisting in sin stubbornly refusing to give it up refusing to repent there would be an opera you know that that might be a case in which you would practice excommunication so of course we would start with matthew chapter 18 uh you know verses oh, 15 through 17 okay, right and i'll just yeah. read that to you real quick it says if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he listens to you you've gained your brother so uh, again it should always be pointed out that the goal, even of excommunication, is always for the restoration of the person. It's always for the person's sake and for the restoration of that person. So it's not meant to be punitive as much as it is to be restorative. So then he says, you know, if your brother will not listen to you, you take two or three others alongside with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to listen to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, I'd love to talk to you about that last phrase there in just a second. Um, but let's just say this. So he's saying, you know, here's the process you go through. Talk about it, um, you know, with that person. Bring some other people alongside. If they still won't listen, bring it before the church. And and if they still won't even listen to the church, like the the goal is to help this person see that, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, that nobody agrees with this. Like everybody's on board with says, hey, look, we all see this is a clear teaching of scripture. 
right. clearly the will of God and you are not doing that and we love you, but we can't let you go on thinking that this is an okay thing to do and still call yourself a Christian. Okay. So what they're saying is we're going to start treating you as if you're not a Christian. Now that's the part I want to talk about, which I'll talk about in just a second, which is the question, how do we treat non-Christians? Uh, uh-huh. Okay, so secondly, he, here's the second example I give you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we read about this situation that was going on in the Corinthian church. And Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, look, you have this guy, and here's what he's doing. He's sleeping with his stepmother, oh, his father's okay. wife. Uh-huh. And he says that kind of sexual immorality, he says this, it's, that is not even tolerated amongst the pagans. But uh-huh. you basically are celebrating the fact that you guys are so you know, open and tolerating and loving that you've got this guy who's like in open and unrepentant sin and you're not even stopping him. Like you're not even doing anything about it. And he says that's wrong. So he gives them kind of this uh, instruction that says, hey, look, if this guy's going to keep doing this, here's how you deal with people who are doing this stuff, is that you, you need to treat them as if they're not believers. If they won't listen, if they won't repent, you actually need to take that step of you know, closing them out of the church in the sense of saying, look, um, we don't consider you a Christian, is basically uh-huh. what you're communicating to that person. If you live this way, I can't consider you a Christian. I'm not going to treat you as if you are a Christian because everything you're doing in your actions shows that you don't care at all what God thinks. And if you are a Christian, you love God, but you should absolutely care what he thinks. So, okay, so those would be the two uh, examples that I would give you. And then I would just go back to the first question that I asked earlier. What, how do we treat people who are not Christians, uh-huh. tax collectors and Gentiles? And my answer would be, I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago too, on another question. But, you know, as Christians, I think that we treat people who don't share our beliefs with a whole lot of dignity, we treat them with respect, we treat them with love, and our goal is to win them over, is to evangelize them, to show them the truth of the gospel, to make the gospel winsome and, and present it to them winsomely so that they would desire it above all else, so they would turn from their sin and embrace the gospel. So we don't treat them like trash, we don't treat them like pariahs, we don't hate them, we, we mm-hmm. love them very much, we just treat them differently than we treat fellow Christians. Okay. Right. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. The uh, excommunication. I just it was a it was a big thing. Like because you don't really see that in non-denominational churches too much anymore. You know. Right. Uh, but it was. Yeah. I was definitely kind of confused about it because you. Yeah. You definitely see a time and place for it, but I. I didn't. I don't know. I. I didn't see the. Uh, those are some pretty clear guidelines. I. I don't know. I just didn't see that. Well, thank you oh, so yeah, much. No worries. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind hanging on the line for a second, I'll tell you about a story when I actually did excommunicate someone. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. so here's, here's what the situation was. I, before I moved to Colorado, I was a pastor in Hungary for 10 years. And so when I was pastoring in Hungary, I, um, I had this guy who was coming to my church. And after a while, I found out that this guy had been beating his wife. Oh, my. And, uh, you know, like he thought that he was totally justified in beating his wife because he thought that he had to discipline her like in the same way that you would discipline a child or a dog which is you know of course I don't agree with that that's absolutely terrible so I you know confronted this guy and I was telling him hey what you're doing is wrong 
Like, this is not okay. You can't call yourself a Christian and hit your wife. And, you know, he just argued with me. He's like, of course I can. It's my right. I can do whatever I want. And uh, so I got some other people alongside with me and said, hey, look, man, we don't think this is okay. We don't believe that Scripture teaches that this is okay. We don't think you have a leg to stand on. And you really need to repent of this. And, um, and he did not. And so then we actually brought it before the whole church. And we told this man, you are no longer welcome to attend our church. Um, you know, our, our desire, we're going to keep praying for you. And, uh, and we did actually report this to the police. And the police put a restraining order on him. And, you know, we just brought it to the church and said, look, this isn't to shame this guy. This is just so that you know why he's not here and what our policy is. And we are not okay with people beating their wives or, or their husbands, for that matter. You know, we're not okay with people beating anybody up. Yeah. Um, and so this man is, we don't consider him a Christian. We don't see this as uh, a fruit of that. Now, obviously, God's going to judge his heart in the end. And I'm really glad for that, that I don't have that responsibility. Um, but in the end, you know, we, we said, hey, look, we want you to understand that this is not okay. And then the other step that we did is that we reached out to the other churches in town, you know, because we had relationships with all the right. other churches in town. And we told them, hey, here's this guy. Here's what he's been doing. Here's how we dealt with it. And so if and when he shows up at your church, just know that this is the situation. And we hope that you'll stand with us on that. And they uh, and they did. So it was um, it's a good experience. And, and I would just emphasize the goal of this is, again, not to shame someone. It's not to be punitive, not to, you know, stick it to them. It is really so that this person would realize the error of their ways, that they would repent um, from what they're doing either to themselves or to someone else, which is, is harmful. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for the I, question. Yeah, it was, it was something that me and uh, my brothers had been talking about a while back, and we, and we were just, yeah, it, we just, we were kind of just, we were all pretty confused on the manner of, when it's appropriate and when, uh, or if that's, if it should, you know, what merits that. But thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Hey, God bless you. Okay. Well, have a great rest of your day. God bless. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Yep. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady on the air with you today, taking your calls and texts. You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Just one last thought on that previous caller we had about excommunication. You know, it's actually um, what some of the Anabaptists, so historically Anabaptists, which would be groups that today are like the Mennonites or the Amish, um, they actually believed, and this is what they taught, that one of the marks of a true church was that they practiced excommunication. And so they actually, if you've ever heard of Amish people shunning people, they called it the shun, and that's their uh, excommunication. Now, I'm not always sure that they did it for the reasons which we just talked about, like as far as uh, being restorative and it being a, a gracious, loving act. Uh, sometimes I'm sure that it wasn't always that way. But anyway, just uh, to say, as our caller said, it's not always practiced a lot of times in, in non-denominational churches, but there are times like the example I gave when I've seen it used and used well. So let's go to line two where we've got Dakota in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Hi how are you? Doing well, thanks. Good. Um, so my question is, how would I know if 
I feel like God is pulling me to something or if I feel like I'm trying to make a reason for something, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. I'll give you a few uh, I'll give you a few answers to that. One one of them would be this. I think that one of the greatest helps that we have been given by God is the community of believers, local church. And I'll give you an example. So in Acts chapter 13, we read that the the church in Antioch, the leaders from the church in Antioch were praying. And as they were praying, it says, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And so what they did is that they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and they sent them out as missionaries. And so I imagine that was, you know, I can only kind of speculate and try to put together the scene in my mind. But here's what I, I see happening in, in that instance is that these people, you know, they're praying, they're seeking the Lord. And then, you know, someone has this idea and they're like, I think God is kind of saying that me and this other guy should go out and we should be missionaries. And so they bounce it off the others, you know, who also mm-hmm. have the Holy Spirit and they're praying and they they come to the conclusion that, yes, this is not just our own crazy idea that we think would be fun. This is actually what God wants us to do. So I think that is one of the best, um, I don't know what you, safeguards maybe is a good okay. way to put it, uh, is to bring it before a community of people who you know are going to objectively consider it and seek God about it and, you know, see what the Holy Spirit within them says about it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Proverbs says that there's victory in the count in the in the abundance or multitude of counselors. So I think there's some truth in that. Um, another thing I would tell you is, and it sounds like you're doing this, is I would just encourage you to check your motives. You know, why is it that you want to do this? Is it you trying to impose something on God or is it actually God speaking to you. Um, and that last thing that I would I say. I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I feel right. like I, um, I can't tell if it's me, like, trying to process through my own pain and, like, try to find something good out of it. Or uh-huh. And I did bring it to my church. Um, and it, it, it felt like... Um, I basically emailed uh, the pastor, and it was like a sub-pastor or something about it, and they, they didn't really answer the question that I had regarding the new thing, but they said, like, oh, well, we'll get you in ones we already have, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's hard for me because I feel like I, I feel like God's telling me something, but I also feel like I don't know how to bring about it the, the right way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're going about it right. I mean, going to your pastors, I think, is, is a great place to start. So okay. I think that's good. I would just follow up with that, you know. And, um, you know, I know how it can be. Sometimes you get these requests as a pastor and you're not sure what to do with them. I would just encourage you to follow up with them and, you know, as much as you can, maybe discuss it with them personally. And you know what I yeah. mean if if your church and I have no idea what the situation is but if it's if your church is not feeling it but you're still convinced that it's God then you know I would just encourage you to keep praying about it and and looking maybe for other open doors for that to happen. Again, mm-hmm. I have I have no idea what your situation is, but then the other thing I would tell you is I know that there are times in my life when I've been seeking the Lord and one of the things that's happened is that I will get this sense of 
like, if I don't do this, then I'm going to be messing up, you know, like, like I have to do this. I think about Paul the Apostle, like he mentions this same thing where he says, I was, he says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Like I have to do this. If I don't do this, I'm going to, you know, die. Like I'd be sinning against God. The other, you know, I think about Jeremiah chapter 20, where he says, you know, God gave me this word to speak and I don't want to speak it. Like, I really don't because I know that it, what's going to happen if I do, it's just going to be derision. People are going to give me a hard time. I'm going to get flogged and beaten. Nothing good is going to happen. And, uh, but then he says, but the word of God is in me like a fire in my bones and I can't hold it in any longer. Yeah. So, I'm going to have to let you go because we are going to break in, uh, for, well, right now we're going to break and we'll be back in two minutes. Thank you for the call. And we will be back. Stick around after the break. Calvary Live will be right back with you in just a minute. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church with you taking your calls and texts live on the air. I get to host this program every Monday afternoon. And uh, it's a pleasure to get to take your calls and texts and pray for you here on the air. We have two open lines right now. It's a good time to call in. The number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Just here at the beginning of the second half of the show, I'd like to take the opportunity to personally invite those of you in Longmont or in the Longmont, Colorado area surrounding communities to join us at Whitefields Community Church for worship on Sunday morning. This Sunday we're going to be continuing our study of the letter to the Hebrews, looking at a really great section at the end of Hebrews chapter 11. So we'd love to have you join us. You can check us out online, find directions and um, service time and everything on there. The website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. One of the really exciting things that I'm excited about that's going on at Whitefields is that we are doing a school of ministry. We're kind of wrapping up our winter semester right now. We do six-week blocks. And so we do a school of ministry right now. We're running three classes, one on church history, another one on uh, engaging culture with the gospel, and another on reading the Bible Christocentrically, meaning seeing Jesus at the center of every text in the Bible and how all of the Bible has a unity and how it speaks of Jesus. And so I'm really excited about how this school ministry is going. It's been really well attended and we'd love to see people even from outside our own church community begin to be a part of this as they would benefit from it. Our kind of vision for it is that it would become its own Bible college eventually and that it would be a way in which people who desire to serve the Lord could receive training. I guess you could think of it as community college meets Bible college. It's like Bible college for people who don't have time to go to Bible college. That's how I like to think about it. And so we've had a lot of people going through this. We're developing the curriculum right now, and eventually we'd like to turn this into an entire program that has a certificate and everything. But um, that's all in development right now. And we are offering classes already. So it is the Whitefields School of Ministry, 
and we're right in uh, South Longmont, which is where our school of ministry is located. Our church meets in Central Longmont at uh, the St. Vrain Memorial Building on Sunday mornings. So check us out if you are in the Longmont area. We'd love to meet you and have you join us for worship. It's uh, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com for all the information you need. Let's go to Danny in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Danny. Welcome to the program. Hey. Hey, Pastor. Um, yeah, what's going on? Qu- a question for you. Um, so I guess uh, for for a while now I've been looking for a new job, and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a developer. I develop web applications, software, et cetera. And um, I've been working for a college for the past two years uh, approximately. And uh, anyway, I since that time, um, well, you know, more recently, I've been looking for a new job, and anyway, I, I got a new job, um, you know, I studied like crazy, and, and just all this stuff, and um, finally was able to, to get a new job, uh, a great job, and and my company, my current company, the college that I work for, uh, have just, you know, I guess, you know, I've just been great for their company, but they want me to continue working for them. Um, you know, uh, contract work, you know, part-time and uh, outside of my other job. And um, anyway, so, but recently, um, I kind of, I was, you know, I was thinking, well, and, and, and there was a lot of prayer that was involved in, in searching searching for this new job. Uh, a lot of answered prayer as I started meeting with uh, these, uh, the, you know, this new company. Um, I saw a lot of prayers answered and, and crazy things. Um, but, uh, a question or a verse came up the other day, uh, that bothered me a little bit. Um, and maybe it's because I feel like I'm, you know, kind of consumed with, you know, my career and taking care of my family and, you know, I, you know, I lead worship at a church, um, but that's like the extent of any type of service unto the Lord. Um, and so I, I, I have a hard time of, you know, looking at what I'm doing in life as valuable to fruit for the kingdom. Um, your vocation. Is that what you mean? Right, right. Yes, sir. Um, and, uh, anyway, so when this verse came up the other day, it just really, it's just really been bothering me, you know, because uh, it's it's funny. I listen to Pastor Ed a lot, you know, and he's like, you know, well, I worked for years and and was a pastor and all this, and it's like, man, it's like super hard, and <laughs> you know, yeah. But um, when you feel a pull to ministry, but you're, you know, you're stuck in this world. Well, this is what I have to do. God definitely called me here. I didn't really want to do this, but God made it clear. And anyway, but so this is the verse that came verse set of verses that came up. This is in Luke sixteen. Uh, starting in verse 19, and it says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared so... Oh, man, I'm in King James Version. <laughs> Sorry. Sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham far off, and Lazarus in his bosom. 
And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us there's a great gulf fixed. Anyway, he goes on. Okay. Uh, so what's your question with that? So I guess I guess I'm trying to... How do you right? I didn't say this question, but how, how do you determine if if God is blessing you or if you know it's it's like you know the product of your you know yeah you know the enemy or or it's a product of what you know you did it you know and sure. and because you you know your 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 works versus trusting God or, or whatever you know what I mean. Yeah, and how did how does that verse come into play here? Because well, of the I rich just feel man? like 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 you know, I just feel like um, I guess when I look at the world and 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 the fruit that we're supposed to bear for the kingdom, I, I feel like there's like little fruit there, and so, but yet when I look at my life, you know, I see this, you know, I guess supposed blessing, you know, at, at times uh, and 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 quite you know quite amazingly um and so i struggle with uh you know am i am i you know being blessed by god is for, for for and for what and for you 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 know what i mean i mean is that okay. sure yeah let me uh let me try and answer some of your questions so about um work and vocation i've actually done a lot of writing on this topic lately i have a website where i write articles it's nickkady.org that's nickkady.org for anybody who's interested and i recently wrote a lot of uh, posts on this topic in december and january on the role of work in the life of a believer and like what that looks like and kind of that dichotomy between okay should i be you know serving the lord in a church setting or would it be better for me to just continue in my job, my you know vocation? And here's uh, a lot of what I was talking about. You know, I was going back to the reformers because just last year, so 2017, was the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation, and so we did a series mm-hmm. at our church on the five solas of the Reformation. And one of those is soli deo gloria, which means everything to the glory of God or only to the glory of God. And a lot of people think, okay, yeah, do everything to the glory of God. But specifically what the reformers had in mind when they used that phrase was work. And they they had a very distinct uh, theology of work, which I think is um, something that the church needs to really get back to and embrace. So here's what they said. You know, medieval Catholicism had a big focus on doing this thing with, you know, kind of creating a difference between what they called the secular and the sacred. Now, we still have a hangover of that even today from medieval Catholicism. Like, for example, you've ever heard of secular music versus non-secular music. You know, even using that term or even what we're talking about right now, secular vocations versus, you know, ministry jobs where you're serving in the church. And one of the things that Martin Luther, and you remember Martin Luther was a monk, and so he had left. Uh, he is actually trained to be a lawyer. He got his master's in law from the university, and the day that he received his master's, he announced to his family and to his friends that he was going to give up his worldly occupation of being a lawyer, and he was going to become a monk. Wow. 
And then, you know, what his father said and, and his father, you know, it's, there's a lot of debate historically. Like, was his father a believer? Was this a good thing his father said or not? But here's what his father said. He kind of stood up and, and kind of shouted at him. At, this was at a dinner that they had, kind of his um, graduation dinner for his master's mm. degree. His father had traveled there, you know, with horses and stuff. And he gets there and they're having dinner. And his father stands up and says, son, why can't you serve God as a lawyer? And, you know, a lot of people looked at that, including Martin Luther himself, and they said, Are you, you know, his father just didn't get it. His father was not spiritual. He didn't understand the value of, you know, sacred work versus secular work. And, um, but, you know, what I think is interesting is that I think that Martin Luther, later on in life, I think he thought back to that moment, and he thought back to what his father said. And I think that he actually realized that his father was saying something that was very true. He absolutely could serve God as a lawyer, not just as a monk. And so I'm going to give you some examples of, um, of what Martin Luther taught on this subject. So he would say this. He went back to the Lord's Prayer, and here's what he said. He said, Jesus instructs us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And he says, take a moment to consider how that actually happens. How does God provide people with their daily bread? He says, well, there's a farmer who plants and waters and harvests. There's a miller who grinds up the grain and makes the flour. There's a person who produces oil. There's a person who transports, you know, drives the truck or whatever, transports the materials. There's a baker who puts all of them together and mixes them and bakes them together. There's a grocer who sells the bread. And, and all of these people, as they do their jobs, they are actually doing the work of God. They are the, he called, Martin Luther used the term, they are the masks of God. They are doing the work of God and answering that prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And here's, he drew some examples from the Bible. So it says, Psalm 147 says that God feeds every living thing. Well, how does God do that? Doesn't he do that through the farmer and the baker and the retailer and the website mm. programmer and the truck driver and the banker and everybody involved? And yeah. um, and what that would mean is, you know, a lot of people see themselves as mere, you know, shop workers or mere teachers or mere artists or mere programmers. Um, but what the Reformation idea of this would be is to say, no, like what you're doing absolutely matters and it matters to God and it matters. It's his work in the world that you're involved in. And there was this phrase that I found. It was the quote from, it's actually in a programming book, honestly. It was kind of odd, but here's, here's where the quote, what the quote said. It said, um, it was a medieval quarry worker's motto. So the medieval quarry workers, and this was their motto. We who cut mere stones must always be envisioning cathedrals. And the, and the reason they said that, and the reason it applies to programming, is because it's saying, whatever you're doing, keep the big picture in mind. Keep the big picture in mind. So I tell this to all our volunteers at church. You know, we have volunteers who will say, you know, my job is only to watch babies. I don't see how, you know, you preach the gospel, but I'm just watching the kids. And I say, absolutely not. You know, you who build, you who cut mere stones must always be envisioning cathedrals. That, that work that you're doing, no matter what it is, is absolutely important to God. And so then the other thing I would tell you is that the, the reformers got back to this idea of vocation. And you know what's interesting? The word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. It means it's a calling. So in other words, the reformers tried to get Christians to see their, their so-called secular jobs as actually callings from God that they could do for his glory and for the good of others. So that whole idea of love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the reformers really emphasized the fact that the way that you love your neighbor is by 
doing your job and serving your neighbor through your vocation. Now, does that mean that there is not a time and place for ministry work? Of course there is. I mean, I'm a full-time pastor. I totally get that, you know. But I also recognize the fact that I just had a conversation with a guy in my church yesterday who has a, he has a seminary degree. He is a theologian. He has a master's degree from Trinity in Chicago. And he's considering should he give that up or should he continue his job as a general contractor where he's able to make more money and constantly be in contact with people who don't know Jesus. Mm. And he's like, well, you know, I mean, everything adds up this way. I mean, I think I can actually do more work for the kingdom of God uh, by not sitting in a in a church office all day, but by actually being in people's houses and meeting all kinds of different people and living out my faith and sharing the gospel in that way. And I, I really encouraged him to continue being a general contractor. So I think, you know, you can go either way. I think that you can absolutely have a calling that says, you know, your calling is be a full-time worship leader or be a full-time pastor. Um, but in that, I would say that my job as a pastor, if all I do is, you know, be cloistered in reading books and teaching Bible studies, uh, well, the teaching Bible studies part, I'll put it this way. Everything I do must be for equipping other people to live out their faith and live out the gospel and and do the work of the ministry themselves. In other words, so I be I take the role um, of equipping. Now, if that's what God has called you to do, is to equip, then by all means follow God's leading and you know, quit your job and get a ministry job and and equip people. But if God has called you to work the job that you're working, understand that that can also be a calling. So I guess in relation to that, my last question, based on your answer, is how then would I minister effectively to those in the workplace? Like, is there a resource? Is there, because just reading the Bible and, and, and all that, like, it's hard to envision, like, how Jesus did it in the apostles and apply that to today and what that looks like. I mean, I have a very hard time, you know, envisioning that yeah i mean i don't know what your particular workplace looks like i i know that there are some people who've told me you know i work at home i literally have no contact with people you know in my job so how do i how can i serve god in my job so first of all i'd tell you that doing your work continue to see doing your work as service to god and doing god's work which was you remember his mandate was subdue the earth and um and and do that so I would just tell you, you know, do your work well. And then the other thing I would tell you is um, build relationships. You know, that is the one thing that people always overlook. You know, we see ministry as something that comes like, you know, over a microphone or over the airways. And it absolutely can be done that way. But some of the most effective ministry, like you do see with Jesus, is ministry that is built through relationships. So I would encourage you, cultivate relationships. And that's what we encourage people at our church to do is be missional. You know, be a neighbor, like build relationships with the goal in mind that I'm building this relationship because I'm praying that through this relationship, God will give me an opportunity to minister the gospel to this person. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Well, yeah, absolutely. Let Thank me pray for much. you and then I'm going to let you go. So Heavenly Father, I pray for 
uh, my brother Danny here, and I ask, Lord, that you give him so much wisdom and guidance uh, as to what he should do with his job situation. Lord, whether it's that you want him to pursue something in which he's able to serve you more directly as an equipper, or Lord, if it's that you want him to stay in the job he's in, provide for his family, do work for you, and also build relationships in that context through which he can share the gospel. So Lord, I pray that you give him clarity, that you give him direction, and that he would be uh, following you wherever you lead him. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Dan, Thank thanks for the you. call. God bless you. God bless li- you. Thank you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church on the air with you today, taking your calls and texts. Let's go to line two, where we've got Jason from Littleton, Colorado. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you. Well, I've called a few times over the past few weeks for a prayer about my daughter. Uh, we just Ashlyn Reed, or Ashlyn, uh, so... Uh, she has to go to get another surgery tonight. Okay. I think I talked to you the other day. Um, can you just remind some of our listeners what's going on? Oh, yes. She's had a, a hypoplastic left heart, but she just had uh, two heart surgeries uh, during this past month and has kidney issues. Her kidneys haven't restarted. And she, last night she had a seizure. And they found that uh, she's got some bleeding in her head, so they have to go in and surgically fix that tonight. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for uh, bringing that to our attention. We'd love to pray for your daughter. So let's go ahead and do that now. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Jason and for his daughter, Ashlyn. Lord, thank you for uh, putting Ashlyn in a home where she's got parents who love her and, and pray for her and ask for prayer for her. Lord, we pray for Ashlyn's surgery today, for this bleeding in her head. Lord, we pray that you would direct those surgeons, that you would, give, you would guide their hands. And Lord, really that you would um, lead them as they seek to fix this problem and stop this bleeding. Lord, we pray that the bleeding would stop. Lord, we pray that the seizures would stop. Heavenly Father, we ask that in Jesus' name, you would get her kidneys restarted, that her kidneys would begin uh, doing their normal function once again. And Lord, we pray for her heart to be healthy, for her whole body to work uh, the way that you made it to be, Lord, that she could have a chance at life. And so, Lord, we thank you for the glorious hope of the gospel, Lord, the hope that goes beyond this life. But Lord, we ask for Ashlyn that you would manifest your kingdom in her life and in that hospital, Lord, and that she would be restored and made well. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jason, thank you for calling in, and we look forward to updates. Absolutely. I'll continue calling. Thank you. Awesome. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. We've got about eight minutes left in the show. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. If you are in the Longmont area, we'd love to have you come visit us this Sunday at Whitefields. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 11, the end of the chapter, and it's an awesome text um, that really brings forth the hope and the glory of the gospel and how we receive it and what it means for us so we'd love to have you join us you can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com that's whitefieldschurch.com we meet in central longmont in the saint Vrain memorial building at 700 longs peak avenue that's right on the corner of longs peak and kaufman right just at one block west of maine on longs peak avenue in downtown longmont so we'd love to have you check us out if you're in the longmont area so that's whitefieldschurch.com Let's go to line one, where we've got Brandon in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hi, Brandon. Hey, hey, Pastor Nick, how are you? Doing well. 
What's good. Um, just looking for a little bit of um, direction, clarity, maybe even some prayer. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I've been struggling with lately, among other things, is just being able to hear God's word, or just being able to hear God and His will. And it's been that way for actually a few years. I, I hear and see certain things, but um, I still struggle with you know some of the details, some of the direction of what He wants me to do. I'm doing the best that I can to serve faithfully. And I know that he's not a, a God of confusion, but there are times where I feel like he's being silent and I am kind of confused on what his will is for certain things. And, I, and there's there's some big things coming this year. I know it. I just, <clears throat> I'm looking for vision. I'm looking for some kind of encouragement or something like that. And there's times where I just don't hear or feel him or anything like that. And so I'm just trying to look for maybe some scripture some prayer, some encouragement, or something that can kind of, I guess, set me in the right path or just keep me going, I guess. I don't yeah. Know. So here's what I would encourage you. When I, when I think about how do, how do I hear God's voice when I'm looking for God to speak to me, I would tell you a couple things. Number one, you begin with the Word of God. I just encourage you to be reading the Word of God. And, you know, he's going to speak to you through that because he's already spoken through his word, but he makes it a living and active word in your life, and it never comes back void. So I would encourage you just be reading the word of God. The other thing I'd encourage you about is, um, sounds like you're doing this, but I just want to encourage you to keep praying. You know, keep seeking the Lord because it's in those times of quieting down and, and listening to him and speaking to him and bearing these things before him that he's going to give you clarity. The other thing that I would encourage you about is I would encourage you to be in church fellowship. You know, I really believe that the spiritual gift of prophecy is at work through the teaching ministry of preaching the Word of God. So like when you go to church and you're listening to preaching, I believe that the Holy Spirit is oftentimes working through that and speaking a prophetic message. In the sense of prophetic, not necessarily mean predicting the future, but a sense uh, prophetic in the sense that it's a message from God for a particular time and situation that is a timely word, so to say. And the other thing is, I would, I would, like I told our previous caller, there is victory in a multitude of counselors. Bring it before other people who you know are people who love Jesus and have the Holy Spirit and ask them to pray for you and speak into your life, whatever that particular situation might be. You know, I just see Paul the Apostle and I see a man, well, not just him, I think maybe an even better example of that is Philip the Evangelist in Acts chapter 8. I love this guy. He's just a great character in the Bible because you see that he was one of the deacons, so he started out just serving in the church, just being like, hey, whatever needs to be done, I'll feed the elderly, I'll just serve tables, I'll do whatever needs to be done in the church, even though it says that he was a person who was filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom, and yet he took on this role of just serving in the church. And then the next thing I, I see is that Philip in, the, in chapter 8 of, um, of the book of Acts, there he is and he's, he's in the midst of a revival, and then even in the midst of that revival, God speaks to him and says, you know what? Um, I'm actually going to take you out of this situation, which seems to not make a lot of sense. Like, why would God take somebody out of a place where there's revival happening? And he takes him all the way down to the desert, to this place in the middle of nowhere, and God directs him in that way. And it just seemed that, you know, Philip was willing to obey when God spoke. And then the last time we see Philip in the book of Acts is that he had these daughters who were walking with the Lord, and they were spiritual, and says that his daughters were 
prophetesses they spoke uh prophetic words and so anyway i would just encourage you with those few things i know they're uh they're fairly simple but they're also extremely profound so we are coming up on the last two minutes of our show i think we have time to uh, address some of our text questions that have come in and let's go to this one uh, we see that someone's asking for prayer so they can have sundays off so they can find a good church for their family. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we pray for this dear person who's texted in. We pray for anybody else who's struggling with this same situation, Lord, wanting to go to church and not being able to. Lord, we pray that uh, you would work out a situation with their job that they would be able to attend church with their family. That's a noble desire and something that we believe that you will bless. Lord, we pray for another texter who says that, um, that he was in a job, but God took him that you took him out of the job and he's saying lord we need a home and a job so lord, we pray for this texture and we pray for everybody out there listening who is needing a job lord we pray that you would provide for these people good jobs that can help them take care of their families or the, uh, themselves as individuals so we pray for this person to be able to find a home to live in that will be good for their family Pray for another prayer request for Jared, who's experiencing a storm in his life and needing peace. So, Lord, we lift up Jared to you and ask that you would, um, Lord, bring about peace in the midst of that storm, whatever it is. Lord, we, we think of you as the one who walked on the water in the midst of the storm, the one who spoke to the storm and it ceased. Lord, you are a God who rules over the waves. Lord, you are a God who saves us even in the midst of a storm. But Lord, you can also calm the storm. So I pray your will would be done in Jared's life. And Lord, we remember uh, that you are the God who can do that. And we put our trust in you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. I'll be with you again next Monday. But you can tune in every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time for Calvary Live. God bless you. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.